Welcome to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Legendary Gear, a game call company that is legend by design. You can check them out at Legendary Gear USA. That's Legendary Gear USA. I'm your host, George Lynch, of this podcast, as well as the design and tuner of all Legendary Gear calls. If it's not good enough for my lanyard, it surely isn't good enough for yours. Well, folks, this week's podcast, uh, we're breaking it down. We're in the early uh, of September, which was the start of dove season and the start of teal season. And there's a few guys going out there and uh, struggling and going at it. And this week is what we're really going to talk about is we're going to talk about shotguns and shot sizes and, and different shots for teal and for doves. And um, one of the tough things I, I know for, I just want to reach out for my fellow Hawkeye guys out there that we have really been struggling this year and it's really tough on the teal um we have, we are definitely living in a drought i've been out here this is going on almost on eight years definitely the uh the, the driest season i've ever seen the driest summer uh gardens are they started off good and and then we had to water them and get them going and and um it's just been tough and uh i'm as driving around scouting i've been noticing that a lot of our water holes that always held water that always looked good uh, are starting to dry up which is a, a major concerning to me and and uh, especially more as we get to the duck season but and even for the teal now it, what it does it draws a lot of the guys to the big water to the open water it puts more of the pressure and, and confines it but uh, a lot of times these birds if they can't you know when the pressure gets going if they can't get to you know spots where they can sit there that hold them that, that can protect them whether it's a loafing pond cattle pond golf course whatever well i've never seen too many teal on golf course but what i'm saying is these birds uh you know are gonna leave they're not they're, you know if you don't have the water and the pressure what you do have the pressure moves them on they're gonna they're gonna head out there's food all over um a crop situation doesn't seem to be it's not dire yet it looks like the corn still got some good ears on it um but we are definitely they're calling for rain this weekend i have you know my wife and i put in a plot a food plot in uh, on our place here and also a big pond and open up a, a lot of the our woods to to make grazing area for the horses and uh, i've i've held off on my food plot i'm i got some great stuff from domain some big and sexy they named after me i think but i got some uh, great food pot uh, seed to put in there and i've just been holding off because uh, i you know they said if you're going to put it in make sure you do it ahead of the rain and and get the rain to help to get it uh, germinated and started and well I've, it's been about after the food pots have been done it's been at least two weeks and we still we haven't had rain so they're calling for rain this weekend or later this week excuse me maybe it's this weekend and uh, I think we're going to, tomorrow, we're going to go ahead with it and plant that food plot, get our blind put in there and stands and get everything set up. And it's a beautiful setup. Uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely feeling we're going to tip some toenails in there this year. So it's, uh, you know, it's like hunting big bucks. I know we're talking about dove and teal, but if you don't have the food source, you don't have the deer. So anyway, to get back, you know, with the dove and, and, and uh, the teal, you know, one of the things that uh, before you start, to, you know, looking and, and getting all your your teal decoys and your spinning wings and stuff like that uh, decoys ready, I would say to me, especially with the dove hunting, um, you know, you travel and you're trying to find spots. And if you're in a good spot, you know, if you got a sunflower patch or if you got some sweet corn or whatever, I mean, it's great that uh, even a good grain field you'll find. But the most important thing is try to find the, they, they do have flight patterns. 
And, uh, you know, to me, the most important thing is setting myself up and make sure that I'm in that right flight pattern and that I try to set myself up in a blind that's going to try to present me a 25 to 35 yard shot. Um, I know, and, and I'm not going to go into that, you know, ethics of, uh, you know, how far I should shoot. I guess every man, you know, let your wallet be your guide or let your conscience be your guide. With me, I'm, you know, I'm not starving. I do, uh, I do have respect for the game that I pursue and uh, for taking and even taking the meat. Um, so what I'm trying to say is that to me, the importance of trying to get in there and, and uh, try to make sure that, you know, if you do get a long shot down there or maybe trying to finish up a cripple, that's okay. But if I'm sitting there and, and my constant, say my average of shooting is, is 50 yards, then I'd say I'd move to a different spot trying to make that average shoot shot of 30 yards. You know, so anyway, with Dove, um, I kind of compared Dove to actually like a, a trap shooter. A good skeet shooter, a good trap shooter uh, can, will do excellent in Dove shooting. The problem with uh, the guys who kind of just plainly shoot trap, you know, they're always kind of shooting things going away from them. Now, with, with hunting with doves, it's going to be different. You could have front-on shots. You're going to have shots coming right over. That's where sporting clays is kind of cool. But you're going to have those coming over you, and you're and majority is probably going to be right to left or left to right, which I call swing shooting. So when it comes down to that swing shooting, that comes to practice. And what we did a lot, and then we and I always recommended for the same thing for guys who who like to video waterfowl. And uh, it's like that guy who goes to the PGA and he's filming, you know, they're the best in the world, man. That dude can hit the golf ball and that camera guy is on that golf ball all the way for two to 300 yards, following that golf ball in the center of that picture, even as it hits the ground. And what that takes, it takes oh, practice. Discipline. It you know, you take that guy who films the PGA, the golf tournaments, man, this guy's the master. That's, you know. He can get on that golf ball. That ball's hit off the tee. He's on that ball all the way in the center of the screen. That ball could go 150, 200, 300 yards. And that guy's got that ball in the center of the screen and, and then zooming in a whole time as it's coming down. Well, he didn't do that yesterday, and he didn't do that the day he's filming. This guy's been doing this practice and for years and years. So one of the things that uh, I like to do, and I always said, you know, it's like, uh, you know, sports was a huge part of my life and baseball was, was big and I, I played a lot. And then I coached a lot for many years. And, uh, one of the things is that you don't take batting practice during the game. That's one of my philosophies. You know, the, your batting practice is a time you set aside. It's discipline. You go through different drills. You go through different things of, you know, it's, it's muscle reaction. It's muscle memory that we create. Same way with duck and goose calling, but the same way with shooting a shotgun. So what I like to do is uh, we'd take our trap thrower out and we'd set up uh, actual hunting scenarios when you practice. Just don't get in a, in, a, in a habit of being behind the trap and having the guy and always shooting those straight away and slightly going away. I mean, those are cherry shots, what you like to call. He just got a cherry shot. But uh, actually set up scenarios. And, and also, again, I want to I wanna advise that you want to make sure that you're doing it in a safe environment. But what I like to do is I like to actually, we practice a lot of, you know, because it's swing shooting. So what I like to do is I like to get way down. I like to get probably 30 yards past the trap thrower to the side and out. So when he's, when the trap goes through, it's swinging from left to right in front of me about, you know, 30 yards. And, uh, and it doesn't matter. You can set up the speed. I always like to 
tell guys, you know what, the best thing to do when, when first getting in, it's like the batting practice. Again, I'm going to equate that with baseball. But, you know, when we used to start every year in the spring, uh, starting our drills and, and starting to get ready to hit, well, you're not f- facing live pitching. What we start to get is a lot of soft toss, a lot of, of uh, slow pitching, just to get our hand and eye back and just trying to get the feel of that swing, the contact of the ball, hitting the ball at the right spot. Then as you're going and increasing it, as you develop – you know, then you start increasing your, um, we speed it up. So you want to go and then add, add it faster, make it faster. Then you're ready for the game and live pitching. Same way I was shooting on my shotgun. You know, if, if I'm starting out and it's been a while, there's nothing wrong starting out with taking those cherry shots. Then if we start moving the side to side as we start going, you know, if you've got that thing blaring at, at 30, 40, maybe 50 miles an hour, have it as that trap's going through there well you know when you're starting out the first thing you don't want you don't want to create a bad habit but you also don't want to be frustrated you want to always try to have a little success of what you're doing because it keeps that drive in the heart and driving the mind going so what again start out you know have a slow if you can back that tension down in your thrower but what i'm trying to say is is start the slower speeds i do i like to uh, the left to right and then turn and do some right to left and then um seriously what i like too is um you know if you can get some overhead shots where you're shooting straight up again or and then have where they're shooting from behind you and the traps going straight away from overhead and getting used what you're doing is you're getting used to all angles and then start speeding up and start getting to where your hand and eye coordination develops and going if you do this and discipline yourself through the summer months when you have the time and you have the perfect weather to get out there and force and concentrate and it's always great if you can have someone who's actually you know who's either a better shot or actually who's even an instructor and a lot of times guys it's worth that extra money to pay a few bucks and get that instructor the guy that you know he can to have someone off to the side and, and even video yourself. So a lot of time we did that with guys, uh, baseball, with batting or with them fielding. You know, you take a, a video of the kid and when you're trying to explain, they visually have to see it. And I'm one of those people, you know, I'm more of a hands on and I have to see to understand sometimes. And they're trying to, you know, read the instructions and figure it out. So. I would recommend that and getting used to that gun and the gun that you're going to start with early, you know, and, and get get acquainted with that gun. And the most important thing I want to get before we get going on any of this, because I've all the years of guiding, I've I, you know, you see guys that will be in there and, you know, not everybody's a crack shot. And that's and I understand that. That's why they're paying the big money to hunt with me and to get the geese in and they, because we have the decoys and everything else. And it's actually the guy who only hunts once in a while. That's a, actually economically and successfully the best way to go is to hire a guide and go and enjoy it and, and learn. And a lot of guys would just pick your brains as they're, you know, get their money's worth the bang for the buck. I call it no pun intended. But, um, you know, so that was... Um, what I'm trying to say is that a lot of guys would shoot and miss and uh, they would sit here and complain that they're a terrible shot. And I said, well, did you ever pattern that gun? How's it shoot for you? Ha, what do you mean? I knew right then that he had no idea where the gun was shooting. It's very important. You know, that gun has to be an extension of your eye. It has to come to the cheek. It has to be able to see. And, you know, so the best way to tell how a gun is if you're shoulder properly. And if you're not an experienced shooter and you're just a first-time guy getting into it, again, I'd go back to somebody, 
even a gunsmith or someone in the sporting good, um, someone who has knowledge. Again, if you have an instructor, I definitely worth the money. And I'll tell you what, a lot of these high school teams is searchers. I have I have a great friend who works a lot with the NRA, but uh, he heads up a, a, a trap shooting team for the school. And a lot of these schools here in Southern Iowa, man, they have them. It's serious. Um, I know in Centerville we did a pheasants forever, and the kids from the uh, the trap shooting uh, team were there and, and helping out with the banquet and stuff. So, you know, these guys take it serious down here, getting these kids brought up right, which is cool. And, uh, you know, find one of these instructors in a high school, someone that you can work, pay a few bucks an hour. It'll probably only take two or three lessons that they can instill with you, and the rest comes to perfect practice making perfect. And, um, which is very good. But anyway, what I would say is you, what we're doing is once you get uh, that gun that you want to use for that year and, and um, you know, whatever gun you purchase. And, and when I say whatever gun you purchase, what I tell guys, let your wallet be your guide, whatever you can afford. You don't have to have a, a $3,000 um, Benelli or you don't have to have a $12,000 Kriegoff. You know, I started out for years, guys, and I killed a ton of game. And I would, I could hunt with it today and probably be ever bit as successful when I with my Remington 870. I loved that gun. Man, I could beat that gun and it shouldered for me perfect. Might not shouldered for everybody, but it shouldered for me perfect. And I didn't have the money growing up to have an automatic. Uh, my dad had the old Model 1100 and that was the gold the standard in our house when, when I got to hold dad's Model 1100 and that beautiful wood, walnut wood and, and the barrel that was just my dad always, he was like, mili well, he was military and he kept that gun just pristine to make sure it would, you know, it, it worked. And, um, but that 870, it fit me, it patterned, it, it was a good gun, never had a jam with it. And, um, so I recommend, like I said, if you can afford, get the, uh, you know, the best gun that you can afford. Um, a lot of guys like the over and unders, guys like the pumps. And I would say probably 90% of the trend today is guys like the automatics. Automatics, you know, is pretty much what I've been shooting for, uh, for the last lot of years. Let's just put it that way. And, um, one thing I would say when you're out dove hunting, I would when you're using an automatic, make sure that you're checking your game regulations and the state reg regulations. Um, a lot of times, you know, it's a, a limit of three shots into that gun. So we always want to be abiding by the law and make sure that we're following game regulations. So just make sure in your state that what the amount of capacity of shells in your automatic. Um, the thing with the over, and like I said, to me, over and under guys would complain that oh, you only get two shots. And you know what? I would hunt with an over and under. I love the way they shoulder. I like the way they swing. I'm happy with two shots. I'm happy with two birds. If I only get one bird out of that deal, I'm happy with that. A lot of times on the third shot, unless they're right on your toes, um, a lot of guys, the third shot was a Hail Mary shot, to be honest with you. Not all the time. You know, but I would say a lot of times that so it, being an over and under doesn't matter. It, it's more important that the gun fit me. If the gun fit me perfect and pattern, I would take the minus one shot to have that gun that had two shots. It shot exactly where I put it. Um, pumps again with pump. It's just, you know, it, it takes a little bit to get used to in the pump with you've been off shooting an automatic for a while and then not used to. But once you got back into the rhythm, man, I could get three shots off. I used to practice throwing three uh, clays up in the air and then pump three times with a pump and be able to shoot three, the three clays uh, before the last one hit the ground just through practice. Um, 
but it taught me because at first when I was trying it, I was over uh, shuffling and over pumping and, and I would stick the third shell or I'd over rack. And, but once it, it taught me to get the smooth, it was the timing. And that just, what I was doing was just, you know, if I had teal in on my feet and we had a load of ducks and I got to get three shots off, I didn't want, I, you know, the excitement of over pumping or locking the gun up. So it's good practice. Like I said, perfect practice makes perfect. But whatever gun you get, just make sure when I like to get take, get back at 30 yards, I like to put a dot on a, on a shot paper. You can put it on a piece of plywood, whatever point a dot, have something that's at least 30 to 40 inches square. And I like to get back, and this is the time you can get back with uh, different cho uh, chokes, different shot. But I like to get back, and I like to look at that. Uh, um, and what I do is I shoot always shoot both eyes open, and that's how I've always been taught. I've, I know when I was a young kid, I, I didn't know any better, and I tried shooting. You know, I always shot with one eye. And I actually, like a handicap, I adapted and actually didn't do too bad until I got some good uh, sporting clay instructors. I was lucky who I guided years and years ago said, son, let me show you a different world. And they did. They opened my world up. And I, you know, today, you know, it's, it's, it's both eyes open and, and, um, the, the thought process, what you got to think of, if you're a quarterback, if you're Tom Brady and you're going back and you had a fast receiver, depending on your receiver, it takes timing and working together with that partner that you, when he, Tom Brady doesn't throw that ball, that quarterback doesn't throw that ball where he sees that runner. He throws that ball where he knows that runner's going to be when that ball hits that precise time, that precise point. So that was the same philosophy when when shooting shot on my shotgun that you want the bird to fly into that shot if if you're on that bird where he's at when he pulls the trigger i can guarantee you my friend that that shot will deliver behind him and it doesn't matter what what size shot you're using what gauge you're using how many pellets you're using that bird is going to be gone and and if you watch probably majority of the birds I would say it's in the uh, single digit of the percent of people who shoot ahead of birds. It's definitely in the high digits of the people who shoot behind birds. You'll see a lot of tails. You'll see them hit them in the butt. You see legs drop, but people are always swinging. And when you, when you shoot behind, and remember this, that shot string comes out in a string. And if that front string is already missing or just catching the last part, I can guarantee you the 10 foot behind it, a shot string that's coming is definitely going to be all wasted shot. So if you err, it's better to err going forward and catching. If that front shot string does miss it, you have the back half and the back two thirds of your shot string uh, delivering and punching. Again, when we're killing a bird, it's the amount of pellets that it kills and unless you get that freaky one shot that hits the head but majority it takes uh, and i believe in a study i've read be years before it takes average eight pellets you know killing a canada goose um and a dove i would imagine or you know teal and stuff like that it would probably be a little less but uh, always you know i would err a little bit on shooting in front of the the bird but I'll get back to pulling your gun up. Once you practice and pulling that gun up and putting it to your face, shooting on that pattering board, watch to where your shot hits. And you know, I don't do it fast. I pull up and I'll hold that gun and with both eyes open, I'm studying on that dot. Right now I'm holding my hand up, looking at my wall and my hand is right there. When my, it's like one eye, see, my right eye sees the target and my left eye sees the barrel. And it's both working in conjunction and bringing it in focus together. 
and it's very important. I need to bring this up. You need to know which eye dominant you are. If no one's ever done this with you, if, if you're right-handed, but your left eye dominant, I would say that I would practice and try to learn to shoot left-handed. Um, with me and the best test that there is at that, and you can see that done, is just take your right hand, left hand, take the thumb to thumb, take the index to index. You're going to make like a big tear duck. And what you want to do is you, with both eyes open, center that over a certain object. And when it looks like with both eyes open that the object is in the center, then close the one eye and then see where you're at with that dot. If you open and say you close your left eye and your right eye is open and that dot is still in the center, then if you close your right eye and open the left eye and the dot is way off to the left, you're a right eye dominant and vice versa of the other to be left eye dominant. That's very important uh, to know and to me, especially when shooting both eyes open, that using my uh, being to my strength of, of using my eye dominance as I'm shooting. Once that pattern and that gun, if that gun is shooting high to the right or to the left, whatever it is, I can, you know, our guns today, it's really great. We are so blessed with uh, the, the gun makers have really stepped up and changed so much to make these guns so much more efficient and more easier for the consumer. Um, Back in the day, if the gun didn't fit me, I had to go to a gunsmith and I had to sit there with that gunsmith and he had to mark and measure and whether it's changing the length of pull, we had to change the pitch, the drop, he would do all that just so it would line up. And not every gun is made to fit every face. We are all different. Not all you can be perfect like me. No, I'm joking, guys. But it, everybody's different. And so, it, you know, very rarely it's tough. And, the, and our gun manufacturers know that. So what they've done is stepped up the game. And they have, uh, you know, a lot of the good guns, your good guns today come with uh, uh, shim kits. They have uh, where you can drop the stock, you can drop the uh, shorten the length or lengthen, shorten the length of pull. They can change the pitch, the drop, and you can do all that without having to go to a gunsmith to doing it, just reading your directions, watch a video. It's really actually pretty simple. But it changes. It's night and day change. And when you get that gun that I know is shooting right on the money for me, then the next thing I do on that pattern board is I'll start using different shots, different brands, and start pattern different chokes and start pattern and see what I'm looking for here. Now, I established that the gun is on, but now what I'm looking for is consistency and density in my pattern. So if I'm what I'm saying is I'm start shooting and I have open gaps and 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 shot and a lot of fly we call flyers shells a shot that is spread out. That's the same thing that's going to happen when you're shooting at that bird. So what I'm saying, your density might only be a five inch circle that you got in that shot at 30 yards, and so that doesn't give you much of uh, room for error when you're shooting at those birds flying by. And, and so you got to be different. But with me. I, I, I like to have the most densive pattern I can get. And that's why it's very cool with, um, with doves, especially shooting at doves. I would recommend with dove shooting, getting the best. I like a good high-end trap load. Um, the old Winchester AA uh, trap load's very good. Federal has good. But I would get the, they use a, a better powder. They use a better primer. I think the wadding system's better. It's just a, it, it has a little more power to it. It's more consistent uh, than the cheaper loads. I just would, you know, for especially for dove and, and whether I'm shooting teal or any animal, I try to shoot the best I can that's consistent out of my gun. And I, like I said, I like seven and a half, eight and nines for, um, for shooting 
on, on Dove. And I'm trying to believe I read somewhere that uh, I think the difference between a seven and a half or an eight shot to a nine shot is like 186 pellets. Dude, that's a lot. That's a lot more killing. I, I granted that you have smaller pellets. And the guys who are shooting further, now if you go to a smaller pellet um, with less uh, shot in there, you definitely could reach out further, but you're not going to have the amount of pellets. So there's again, there's a balance in there. I like seven and a half myself uh, shooting at doves. And I still think that I got a, a good shot size there and I still have good, it's a balance of the density there. But again, you know, you need to pattern that. Once I got that, you know, and again, I'll make this point here, big shot, the larger shot will work and work great. I just think that you're going to shoot more boxes of shells because you don't have the shot. You're going to miss a little bit more. You're going to cripple more. And, um, so we're out there, you know, trying to do the best we can. If you're disciplined to limit yourself or your guy that just wants to shoot long shots, then I guess the bigger shot would fit you. So that to keep that in, in mind. And with teal, coming on teal, um, I actually do the same thing. If uh, I'm kind of the guy that shoots one gun. Um, a long time ago, I had a, a Louisiana Cajun that I guided, and he was a great shot, great huntsman, a great outdoorsman. We got talking in a discussion about guns and I asked him, I said, man, what kind of, what kind of gun, you know, do you have different guns? And he had a bunch of different guns, but he said, an old boy told me, he said, the best shot I've ever seen told me, he says, son, beware of the man who comes with one gun because he can shoot it. And that's kind of how I've been, you know, I, I was had the 10 gauges for years. I've shot the three and a halfs and I have a, a three and a half auto now, but I'm going to tell you right now, I've never shot a three and a half in about the last two years. Um, basically three inch and, and, um, I shoot, uh, the twos, I might shoot BBs in the late season. Um, and then, and again, I'm talking with steel, uh, with the non-toxic stuff. My favorite, uh, with the stuff to shoot is I like the three inch ones. Um, they were tough. I know a lot of guys are shooting the fives on, on with, with boss and, and apex and some of these aftermarket stuff they're using tungsten they're being able to have great success shooting three inch fives and again you know there's a big price price difference but if you're a guy that again i'm talking about only goes out two or three times in the season to hunt geese dude i recommend you know either shooting a boss or shooting an apex trying to put the best that you can uh, again, you, you know, you want to have those geese at 30 yards, but if I have to read out at 40 and 50 on a goose, I still can. And really 50 to me is a finish up. I, I'm all about, you know, part of the game for me is not just the kill. It's about playing the game and being part of the game. So, you know, you're looking at the aftermarket and again, with chokes, Again, chokes are very important. I want to. I kind of like a choke system that has what I call the stud system inside of it. And the reason about that years ago when we started using Pattern Masters, what it did and gave us great success with the steel shot is Pattern Master was one of the first that came out that had stud retainers. So as that wad came through there, what it did, it, it would retain that wad just enough to separate that shot as it's going out the barrel. So the shot is all free and from being deformed. But what it does, it shortens that shot string and it allows more pellets of steel pellets you know again we talk about it's a number of pellets but it allows more pellets to enter and uh for the kill 
So uh, you can do the same thing. Trap, a lot of trap shooters do that. Again, remember that long string, the three and a half, 12 inch. I'm, I'm going to guess to me, if you're a wing shooter, the three and a half, 12 is worthless is because it's a, you know, let's say, well, it's comparable to a, a, to a 10 gauge, you know, and, and it's only, it's like 90%, 98% of 10 gauge. No, it's not. I'll be honest with you. I don't care about the amount of pellets. It's the bore, the, the, the diameter. And a 10 gauge has a bigger bore, so it allows more relief, and it's going to give you more density to accept the more pellets and more shot that's in there. Three and a half, 12 still has a smaller bore. They might be backboard, which is your forcing cone. Now, Mossberg did the overboard trying to get close to a 10 gauge, but your average in a lot of your top shotguns, they don't do an overbore. And you're still not getting that relief of your shot. So what in 10, what you have is it lengthens uh, that shot string. So it'd be a great turkey gun. Anything standing stable, you know, pulling that shot because you have that long shot string hitting. But to me, when we're wing shooting, I want a dense pattern. I want something that has more pellets, but that is right to left wider. So I'm saying that gives me a little air, and that's where the 10 gauge used to be. Man, it was a, it was a killer for geese, especially when you're guiding and finishing cripples. So remember that. Again, today's gun manufacturers are really catching on to this. Um, there's a lot of you know lengthening the force cones. We didn't have this years ago. We had the short forcing cones. All that everything would pinch that shot as it came out out of the receiver into that barrel. And what by lengthening that forcing cone, it relieves the pressure and allows uh, less deformity as that barrel's going down, that shot's going down that barrel. So a lot of you today, your manufacturers, they're they're backboring, they're lengthening forcing cones, they're opening that up, understanding because everybody is just taking those shot guns and they're sending to rob roberts and having him do all his magic on it and which really does make a big difference and it helps in trap shooting it helps in uh waterfowl hunting it's it's a great even in small game upland hunting anything that can great give us great patterns and, and more density so going through all that and trying to understand we're talking you know the practice and with teal hunting i kind of i do the same thing um i shoot the one gun but I'll go to, you know, I like a three inch and, and I love, I shot for years, Winchester Supreme number fours. Um, they did. I, again, I had more shot. Number four or fives are good. Uh, even if you want to shoot a six, I think six can be good, especially when I'm shooting at teal 30 yards and in and teal are fast. And I want to get as much shot out there and spread as I can. And again, I'm shooting one gun. The beauty, I know a lot of guys are talking today, you see so much on social media talking about the non-toxic, the new stuff out there, the tungsten and, and copper-coated um, lead and, and, and stuff like that, copper-coated bismuth. Um, I like that. And the reason, uh, the, I guess to me, the big benefit of that is because with the 12-gauge, with the prop, my gun being right and shooting the right, even steel, I've been very effective at shooting and, and successful. But what that allows uh, to me, to me, that today's the non-toxic loads, it's allowing uh, people to go to smaller gauges to be more comfortable. You know, the older you get, you don't like getting banged around and, and uh, you know, hit and shoved and like your wife is hitting you. You want to have that smooth um, pull and you want to have that smooth shot. It's, it's tough having that sore shoulder at the end of the day. But uh, which I've really never had to complain of because you're always usually focused on the bird. But, you know, you hear guys that they're going to the smaller so they can shoot smaller gauges. 
And the non the new non toxic stuff is very wicked. And you know, you're seeing guys are killing turkeys with twenty gauges now, twenty eight gauges, four tens. And I'm telling you, twenty years ago, no one would have ever thought of shooting a turkey with a four ten. And that to me is the beauty. Not to, you know, if I'm shooting a twelve gauge, I really I don't have that thing to I really don't have anything to worry about. But if you're wanting to go and, and for the younger kids, I would not as much as the adult, but the younger kids, and especially there's so much youth hunting going on in America today, and we're trying to get these kids in there and doing it right. I believe in giving these kids the best shells, not the cheap shells. I believe giving these kids the best shells I can give for the fact is we want kids to be successful when they're young. We want them to be enjoy this and love it and, and fall in love. And, and when they're doing that, they're going to be back and they're going to grow and, and we're going to have more kids in the, into our hunting and try to keep this strong and not lose the number of people that we have into hunting. So, again, it's always about just like baseball when you're sitting there. You always want to throw so and give the kid a soft toss. You want to be able to hit some good balls. You want to be able to build confidence. And that today with, with, with the smaller gauges and shooting the new non-toxic is great for that. And the last thing I really want to cover, and, and especially if you're hunting with kids or even for yourself, of any time shooting a gun. See, I, I no one told told me this when I was young. I mean, we were we were just a bunch of rednecks out there, and we were all about the kill. Didn't matter. Didn't think anything. I've been in blinds. I, my left ear, I can't even hear anything out of it. Uh, when I was a supervisor at Ford Motor Company, they told me that uh, not to wear any hearing protection in my left ear because I can't hear the high pitches or anything. And that's just because of not taking care and being thoughtful. And there was really no education back then about, you know, ear law, hearing loss with gun blast. We were more accessible. Hey, we're out here hunting, didn't care. And I've been wrong so many times in blinds and trying to guide it. That's the danger of not hunting with people who watch what they're doing. Even now and then a seasoned hunter makes a mistake, swings too far to your right and to the left. You're always trying to tell guys, hey, shoot what's in front of you. Well, sometimes in the emotions, it, it always doesn't happen. I would recommend um, ear protection. I don't know, you know, there's so many different ear protections out there. Even if it's just plain earplugs, for me, I can't run calls and stuff with earplugs in. I have to have the ear protection that you can still hear and then yet kills the, the sound. I wish I'd have done that 20 years ago. But I recommend all you guys out there today in, in these, uh, if you can afford it, try to get some hearing protection. Uh, with dove hunting, I think just playing earplugs, whatever, the little foam plugs, whatever, anything it can do to help stop that percussion going into there, uh, it's very important. Protect those ears, protect the youngins' ears, and um, you'll have more days and, and more enjoyment in the field, you know. So that's going about wrap it up for everything for this week, guys. I've enjoyed uh, talking about this. I have the passion for it. We're in the later podcast. We're in the goose season, duck season, that around the corner. I'm going to start carrying this on, and we're going to start talking about the guns and, and the guns I use and patterns and shots for ducks and geese. So... Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed this as much as I enjoy bringing it to you. If you get a chance, please subscribe to our podcast. My wife's got it on, I think, like nine different uh, pro, uh, platforms. It's on all of them. I don't know them, but they're on all of them. Um, I just I just record the, the podcast. She does all the work. and She does a great job. But anyway, I hope you enjoy it. And remember, always stay safe, uh, hunt smart, stay safe, and may the good Lord be your guide. God bless, guys. I'll be out there, rain is shining, all a part of the great design. Bring it on, I can never get enough. 